Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today's episode is one part of an 11-part series that I'll be releasing between June 5th and June 7th called the Paradise Pack Sessions. So if you're listening to this and you want more, there's plenty of other ones that just came out as well. So what are the Paradise Pack Sessions? On June 3rd, I was lucky enough to co-host an incredible event that we called the Paradise Pack Livecast Party. It was a six-hour live streaming video session that we broadcast on Google Hangouts and on YouTube, which some of you may have attended, in which I interviewed 11 of the world's foremost experts on travel, location independence, and lifestyle entrepreneurship. We had hundreds of people tune in from all over the world. Some of the contributors and people who got interviewed came from Armenia, from Australia, all over the US. And we not only got to pick the brains of these people, but we also got to ask them some of the questions that viewers submitted. And no, during that entire six-hour time that I was on there live streaming, I did not go to the bathroom. I don't know how I pulled that off, but it worked. And we loved it so much. We had so much fun, and there was so much amazing content that we decided to pull out the audio, make it into a podcast series so that you could listen to it in case that you missed the actual event. So each and every one of these guests is a contributor to this year's Paradise Pack, and the combined value of the Paradise Pack is over 2000 We have gotten people to put in the best resources around the world that are going to help you live, travel, and work anywhere in the world. So if you haven't got your Paradise Pack yet, the sale ends on Sunday, June 7th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. And once it's gone, it is gone forever. You will never get the chance to get this Paradise Pack again. So please, if you're listening to this while driving or you're at the gym or you're doing something where you can't purchase it right away, make sure to quickly stop right now, set an alarm to remind yourself. I don't want anyone who is interested to miss out on this incredible group of resources. I am very proud of this. I'm proud to say that this is one of the best things that I've ever helped create. But once the clock strikes midnight on June 7th, it is gone. So again, set an alarm on your phone, or if you can, head to theparadisepack.com right now. Check it out. Pick up your copy. All right. Enjoy the show. We are going to roll right into Benny Lewis. Benny, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right. So, guys, we have Benny Lewis on the line. This is now, what is this, our fourth guest. So if you've been with us since the beginning, you've heard from Sean Ogle. You've heard from Adam Sepper. We just heard from Dave Lee. Now we have Benny Lewis on the mic. Benny, you're coming to us from France, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm in Antibes on the South Coast and uh, loving it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. Um, if you guys are not sure who Benny Lewis is, where have you been? Um, <laughs> Benny runs the blog Fluent in Three Months, talks all about how you can learn languages in a way that's much different from where, from the way that we're traditionally taught languages. Um, I'm going to let you speak a little bit, Benny, just a, a brief bit about how you figured out how you could learn languages. And then we're going to get into some questions because I know a lot of people are going to have questions about this. So there's about 150 people on the chat right now. Guys, ask Benny some questions. It's all about language learning, um, also about his story and things like that. So Benny, if you could just give us a brief history of, you know, you're, you must be some language savant, right? Because you speak all these languages. Uh, you will dispel that myth pretty quickly, right? 
That's right. Yeah. So when I was 21, I only spoke English. I graduated with a degree in electronic engineering and I moved to Spain, lived there for six months and did not learn Spanish. And uh, I think a lot of uh, people who may be in the chat or maybe watching this could relate to that. They live in a country. They do not just naturally pick up the language. I imagine myself getting off the plane, inhaling Spanish air and <laughs> exhaling Espanol, Espanol perfecto, you know, and that didn't happen. So um, the last 13 years, I have been on the road, constantly traveling, and I'm very happy to answer questions about travel as well. And I've been um, just immersing myself in these cultures. In And the last three or four years, I've been learning all my languages exclusively online in advance so that when I arrive in the country, I learn them even better and I use them even better. So, um, uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. A blog of Fluent in three months and... Uh, very happy to give people any encouragement they need for learning languages more efficiently, as well as uh, for the kind of long-term travel um, and integrating traveling and language learning. Yeah, your teaching style is really inspiring to me, and I am on uh, the Fluent in Three Months list because my wife's Norwegian. And if you sign up for Benny's list, it's just incredible. It just gets you going right away. And it's not just the tools, but it's also the motivation because that's one of the big challenges too it just seems so overwhelming and you really break it down in such a way that you you're like actually really pumped up to start speaking the next day. And you, you, you have to publicly commit to learning this and it's just really the kick in the butt that you need to learn a language. And like you said, I think a lot of us have experienced landing somewhere. And I love how you said inhaling the language and like being able to learn it. And it just doesn't work that way. But on the same token, I guess it's, it's not as hard as people think. Right. Yeah, I think uh, what a lot of people in the solution that anyone can learn a language is immersion. But a lot of people equate immersion with traveling to the country. And that is absolutely not true. You can get immersed virtually. I practice most of my languages nowadays via Skype. I get on Skype and I get uh, interaction because that's what true, truly advancing the language means is you're speaking it with a real person. And one of my top tips I always give, give people is to speak it from day one. You have to start, you have to uh, accept that you're going to sound like Tarzan, embrace it, you know, try to intentionally go out there. And my goal would be to make 200 mistakes a day. I, I always tell people, have some fun with it. Make it about, a, about communication. You'd be surprised how far you get. Yes, yeah, St- uh, Stephen Ullman asked that exact question. What ex- or how exactly have you learned your languages online? What sites do you use? So you mentioned Skype. If you could talk about how you find someone to Skype with, and then if there's other resources that you like, because your big thing was that you don't have to travel to a country, and you even did a lot of your language learning as you've talked about. Hey, I'm going to learn this language in this other country. Neither right. of them your native country. Yeah, uh, the funniest one, I think, was when I moved to the middle of Brazil to Belo Horizonte to learn Egyptian Arabic. That really threw people off. But yeah, the way I do it is I um, there's many different sites that you can connect with native speakers, but there are two that I'll recommend right now. One is italki, that's I-T-A-L-K-I. And if you go to um, fi3m.com slash italki, You'll connect with my profile there. And this site is for getting uh, both free exchanges and paid lessons. So the free exchange means you find somebody in China, in Spain, in France, whatever the country is, who wants to maybe learn English. And you spend a half hour speaking in English and then a half hour speaking their language. 
that's great. But I, I would actually just use it for paid lessons because you get an experienced teacher. And this way you're sticking to just the right language. And the great thing is it's very, very cheap. You can get lessons for like $5 an hour. When you think of it, one of the reasons a lot of people get group lessons is because they see it as sharing the expense. So maybe 30 people are sharing an expensive teacher, but that's, that's not the way to do it because you're not actually communicating. You're sitting there zipping it while a teacher talks at you. So it's better to be one-on-one -on -one, private lessons. You get that for five or $10 an hour, depending on the language. So italki is very, very good for that. Um, but if you're on, on a very tight budget, the, you can use their free exchange. Or the second tool I'll mention is HelloTalk. HelloTalk is an app on both your iPhone and your Android. And um, this is only for free exchanges. So this is, is less pressure. With italki, you're live on Skype. You have to talk to somebody via an audio chat or a video chat, which I think you really should prioritize as soon as possible because it's emulating a real situation of interacting with people. Whereas HelloTalk eases you in a little bit more because you can type chat live with somebody. You can voice uh, leave voice messages, kind of like in WhatsApp messages where you, you hold a button, you leave a voice um, thing and they give you feedback. So if you type a message with a mistake, they can cross it out and correct it for you. And that's also free. So um, that's kind of one level in and then the live Skype session would be the full level in. And I prefer this to speaking in the country because when you, I've done this before, I have done this many times. I've gotten a plane ticket, arrived in the country, not speaking anything. And the plan was I will learn by living in this country. And the problem with that is there are so many other things you have to deal with. There are logistics, there's finding a place to live. There's the fact that if you go there by yourself, you may not have any friends and that's stressful. And you have to go out and try to get your bearings and find a good place to eat and all of these things take away from your language learning energy. So that's why I generally I mean, obviously, we're talking to people who are into travel, but I would recommend that you learn the language before you travel. No, you don't have to master it. Just learn it to enough of a level that you can have basic, quick conversations with people. Then when you're in the country, you don't have to have your head in a book. You can be out there and use it. Yeah, then of course it's much easier to meet locals and actually make friends, right? And find exactly. a place to live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have uh, some great questions rolling in. I got one from a guest here. Where can one get lists of the most common words, the words needed for conversation and basic interactions that work? Okay, uh, there are two places I would go for that. The first is Anki, A-N-K-I. This is a, an app and it's um, free on Androids. And there's a paid app for Apple, but you can also use the uh, web edition in, in Safari for free. So it is a flashcard app. And it has a database of pre-made decks. So you will find if you search for Spanish or if you search for German or whatever, you'll find the top whatever number of words. It depends on the language. It might be a top 500 or a top 2000. Uh, but that's where I would go for that. Another one is Memrise. Memrise.com without an O. M-E-M-R-I-S-E.com. Uh, this is a site that helps you with mnemonics. So like an uh, example I always give people is if I'm learning French, and I see the word gare is the word for train station, you think of an association like Garfield the cat is running through a train station, trying to get a train to the world lasagna eating competition. You know, some ridiculous story that helps connect the word in your mind. So Memrise uses a database of uh, what people create, and a lot of them create decks based on the top 20 verbs or the top 100 
words a tourist might need or whatever other theme. And then you use either Anki, which just repeats the, the word on your smartphone when you're out and about, or you use Memrise to kind of revise the vocabulary. And these are pre-made. Um, now, I would tell people not to use these too religiously because, for instance, when I start to learn a language, one of the first things I need to learn to say is I'm a blogger from Ireland <laughs> and I'm a vegetarian. That's and these not, are not in not the top of my bunch of words. <laughs> that's not a main phrase in every language now. No, it isn't. It turns out. So this is why I think people need to be more independent. You can't rely on pre-made cookie-cutter courses, the likes of Rosetta Stone and so on, kind of are made to with the idea that everyone will learn a language the same way. That's not the case because some people need to learn it to do particular things and to talk about things that are more relevant to them. So I would use those lists, but they would not be the core of my studying. I would use them if I've got 10 minutes uh, you know, on my smartphone, swipe out a few words if I'm waiting in the line at a supermarket or something. But ultimately, the core of your learning should be speaking with a native speaker because then you will see the top 100 words that you need to learn. So in my first spoken session, I will learn how to say Ireland before I learn how to say other countries that generically, hmm. you know, United States, uh, United Kingdom, those are, those are words I will need to learn later, but I need to learn words relevant to me and talking to a real native will get you that. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of questions rolling in. Thank you guys in the chat for answering each other's questions too. If you, uh, uh, that kid, Rob, thank you for putting that hello talk in there for people who are asking what that app was. Here's a great question um, from Jesse D. Wilson. Do you just speak the languages or can you read and write as well? What about for character-based languages like Japanese or Chinese? So I want to just put a little bit more onto that and say, do you have a recommendation for whether people should learn to speak versus read versus write, things like that? Okay, so traditionally, when languages are learned in academic environments, they split all of the attention exactly in 25% segments. So one quarter is devoted to speaking, another quarter is devoted to listening, another quarter is devoted to reading, and another quarter is devoted to writing. And these are the four main components that make up languages. So it, it's kind of makes logical sense that you should, you know, treat each one equally. But there's a big problem with this. This is not how any one of us have learned our, our mother tongue. So none of us learned how to read or write before we learned how to speak. Hmm. And when people talk of, and I'll get to the, in a second, how, how complicated Chinese is because of all the characters, no Chinese person ever learned how to read or write Chinese before they could speak Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So this is the order that I go in. When I'm a beginner, my focus is 100% on speaking the language and understanding it. And if I'm learning a language that uses a different writing system, such as Chinese, I will use a Romanized version to help me learn. So with Chinese, I'll use pinyin. With um, Japanese, I will use Romaji at first, and then I'll use Kana, which is their alphabet, which you can learn very quickly. So I, I kind of ease myself in as much as I can. With phonetic languages, you can learn their alphabet in an afternoon. I learned the Thai alphabet. It's 76 letters in one afternoon by coming up with mnemonics, funny stories. And um, the, the iconic one I always tell people that I got off another polyglot, Stu J. Raj, is uh, whenever you're in Thailand, you will notice the character Sara'a, which looks like this. It looks like a like a hook. 
and um, doesn't look like an A ah or an A in English, but I am. Uh, he, he imagined this hook was a person peeing against a tree, <laughs> and that's the path, the path of the pee hook. Sorry for being so graphic, but when you're peeing, you say, ah, <laughs> so that ridiculous story, I guarantee you, if you keep that in mind, next time you're in Bangkok, you see a sign, you see that hook, you will know that's the ah sound. So with, with um, phonetic scripts, you have a limited number of characters. So um, like I said, it's 76 letters in Thai, but you can still process that with a mnemonic every couple of minutes. Um, with Chinese, I would not learn the characters at, at the beginning. I highly recommend people as beginners do not start with Chinese characters, that they start with Mandarin, which is a purely spoken language. So in all of my languages, I speak them first. This, now, this does not mean that I can't read and write them. Um, I have uh, what's called the C2 level European Common Framework Certificate in, um, in the likes of Spanish. And this for this, you have to have professional mastery reading and writing skills. I've reached that level. But the way I do it is I focus on being a good speaker and a good listener as a beginner learner. At the intermediate stage, this is where I start getting into grammar, tidying up my mistakes. And then at the advanced stage, I start reading and writing. And a big mistake I made with Spanish is uh, in my first month, but I was trying to learn it. I picked up a book, El Señor de los Anillos, Lord of the Rings in Spanish. And I had this bright idea that I'll just read it from cover to cover, all 4,000 pages, and then I'll be fluent in Spanish. You know, it sounds easy. Yeah. But uh, it took me weeks to get to page two. So <laughs> it was a really bad idea because I was not ready for this. I was ready for basic conversations, but it did the, it did the opposite of what it should have done. It just demotivated me, made me feel stupid. So uh, as a beginner, if you want to improve your reading skills, do it in more fun ways. Get comic books and manga which have a lot of visual elements as well. And that'll ease you in and try to use Romanized form. And then later on, you get back into it and you appreciate it so much more because you have a lot behind you. And that's that's what I've done with my Spanish. Now I love reading novels, but only because I've reached that stage. You have to pace yourself, accept that you will be a good beginner doing what beginners should be doing and worrying about being a good reader and writer a little bit later. It's really interesting when you break down how academically they slice it up. And it's just so true. Like nobody ever writes a language before they speak it. It just seems it's right. It's, there's no toddler going around <laughs> writing the language, right? That's right. So, um, we've got another question that you kind of hit on this, but if there's any nuggets you want to pull out, Benny, it's from, it's from Paul. And he says, Hey, Benny, when learning a new language, do you recommend learning something specific first, such as proper grammar or maybe only core phrases? Is there something you found that is the best way to start a language? I've heard to start out with structure first and phrases first, but want to hear from your experience. Great question. Okay, so um, essentially touching a little bit on what I just said, my general advice to people is that your learning approach needs to be dynamic. So I would not give you a cutty-cutter list of things you need to do and then repeat that and then you'll speak the language fluently. You need to have a good beginner-learner approach. And my beginner learner approach, like I said at the start, is to embrace making mistakes. You want to be able to express something. So you do not need to worry about the structure of the language. It's okay to say something like, me want go supermarket, which is comprehensible, even if the grammar is wrong. And if you can imagine, if you met somebody, a tourist in like New York, and they asked you, library where? 
then you're not going to turn to him and say, where is your personal pronoun, man? Come on. <laughs> you're, you know, and it's the same. People in other countries, when you hear them speak, um, you are patient with them. So that's why structure or grammar is something I highly recommend you do not learn at the beginning stages of, of a language. This is something that, like, the purpose of grammar is to tidy up what you're saying so that it is proper. But grammar does not aid in communication in most cases. Grammar just makes it sound correct. So that's why it's, um, you know, in, the tr in, in this, like, pr list of priorities, I would just focus on phrases and words. You want to be, like, speaking like Tarzan is okay for the first few weeks. And then I come back to the structure later. And it's actually interesting. Studying grammar can be very tedious when you have nothing to attach it to. But when you know the language to a decent enough level, then the grammar becomes very useful to you. And you've so much context and it helps you tidy things up. I think that's a, a great you, the example you gave is is perfect for travelers because so many people and, and I can speak to my personal experience. And I think Jason, you too in Norway. When I was in Japan, you you don't want to speak sound dumb, right? You don't yeah. want to say something that's a mistake. And I love the two hundred mistake thing because if someone comes up to me and yeah, I'm walking through New York and they don't speak English well, but they ask me where the library is, library where I'm going to show them, I'm going to help them out, and I'm going to say that's pretty cool that they gave that a shot because mm -hmm. I know how hard it was for me in Japan in Japan to try Japanese. But it was weird. Why did I think that? Because every time I did, people were so nice, and especially in Japan, so nice and polite about it. So I don't know. It's it's this fear that we have that's so unfounded. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it is better. We actually have an expression in Ireland, uh, in, in Gaelga. It's, uh, which literally means that broken Irish, broken Gaelga is better than smart English. So, <laughs> so if you want to speak the language with somebody, you you just try to do it in their language. It does not have to be perfect. You are not presenting a dissertation. You're just asking where the bathroom is, you know, yeah. and always keep it in perspective. It's OK to make a few mistakes. People will be incredibly patient with you. And this has been my experience everywhere, even somewhere like that is stereotypically like people might say Paris, for instance, people would be rude to you. That's only if you're in a city center. You'll find the same in London if you talk to a really busy guy rushing to work. But in general, most places you go, people are very patient. They're very willing to let you speak and say what you want to say. Yeah, one thing I've learned, too, is it also works in reverse, which is how, has helped me a lot because I go visit my wife in uh, Norway. And at first, it was hard to communicate with her parents, not just for them or for me, but for them because they were worried and self-conscious about speaking English to me. And you never think about that because in Scandinavia, if you've been everybody speaks English perfectly. So you're like, I can't believe they're self-conscious about speaking English to me. Right. It, just, it was just mind blowing in a way. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm not like alone. I'm not the only one. It's also working the other way. Yeah, absolutely. And when, if you do a language exchange, like I said, the free exchange with people, you will see that when your, your partner tries to speak English to you, they have the same doubts. They have the same worries. That their English isn't good enough. And uh, the more I do this, the more I realize that uh, everyone is is like you like yourself. They're just a human. They're making mistakes, and this is not a perfectionist thing. That's why learning a language is not like learning mathematics or geography, where you know you have to know the structure, you have to know the rules, you have to know the facts. 
it's not the same. It's um, it's something that can work in a kind of foggy way. You just need to take little pieces of information, put it together as best as you can, and see can you convey an idea with that. Yeah. What about Benny? Because now you've you've learned quite a few languages. Um, and there are going to be people who are listening who have learned a language or two and, and want to amp it up and, and learn more languages. How have you been able to, A, learn different languages? Like, do you find that it's coming any easier? And B, does it ever get tough with confusing languages? And does that even matter? Right. Well, um, if you start learning multiple languages and they're, you're learning them all at the same time, you will absolutely mix them up because you're kind of using the same part of your, your mind to slot them in there. And I've found that absolutely when I have two weak languages, I may mix them up. Now, what the good news is, if you focus on one language, and this has been the key for me, I, I speak multiple languages, but I've never tried to learn two languages at the same time. I've always okay. focused on one language until I got it up to a very good level. And when it's at a very good level, you're not going to mix it up the same way. Our English is at a very good level, but we're not just going to suddenly forget how to form sentences or forget basic words because we've got so much practice. So practice is the key of everything. If you want to speak multiple languages, focus on one language, focus on it for a year or two years, get it up to an excellent level. And then when you start the next language, you may mix it up a little bit, but you're not going to interfere with your stronger language. And then you'll get it up past a certain notch and then you'll have two really good languages. And this has been my process. I've repeated this over and over again until I get something to genuine fluency. But I found that at the lower levels, it is harder. And this is why my process has generally been, you know, the whole um, uh, brand fluent in three months is I would spend three months learning one language very intensively and then nine months, the rest of the year, maintaining all my languages. So I am going out and practicing them because you can't just learn a language and then remember it forever. You need to keep working on it no matter how far you get. There's always room for improvement. So I'm constantly working on my other languages. And then I might have an intensive period adding a new one. But you, you it's constant uptake and lots of uh, uh, work on it. So um, it, the more you learn, the, the harder it gets to maintain them. That's why I think two or three languages should be plenty for most people. I, it's just been my lifestyle to travel so much to many countries. Do you want to share a little bit about some of the things that you have in the Paradise Packs? You have four amazing products in there. And I know we're getting to the end of our time here. I was just curious if you want to give us a little bit of an overview on, on what you put in and also say thank you for being a part of it this year. We really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. I, lo I love what you guys did. I loved sharing it last year. Very uh, proud to be a part of it this year. Thank so you. I have... Um, three guides to learning three specific languages. So Spanish, French, and German. And the guides are called Why Spanish is Easy, or Why French is Easy, or Why German is Easy. And these are um, presenting the idea of the toughest parts of the language and explaining why they're not as bad as you think. So for instance, you might think that French is hard because it has masculine and feminine. And I break that down and I say, it's not actually as bad as you think, and this is why. So I take all of the arguments that people could possibly give me for why these languages are hard and I explain them to uh, give the best enthusiasm that I possibly can. And um, yeah, so if someone is learning th those languages, these books will be the best encouragement. They're not, they're not courses because courses do a particular thing that I wasn't aiming to do. And, that, and this is aiming to give you the tools you need to be um, positive and have a great uh, 
a springboard as you go into these languages. And then the other thing that was that I'm very proud of is a seven-day crash course called Conversation Countdown. So this is, um, I, I'll email you every day a new video and a new description of everything you need to do to get ready for your first good conversation with someone. So I actually want you to speak your language, not fluently, but to speak it to some kind of level within seven days. And that is speaking it via Skype. So people can start it before they travel and they move their way up. And then they finally, uh, at the end of the week, they start uh, talking with um, the partner that they found via uh, via Skype. So every day we give somebody what they need to make another huge step forward. And this is based on many tests. And I've got a, a page within that, like on, on day one, we have thousands of people who share videos of them speaking the language. So it's a lot easier than people think. And I, and I hope they'll check this out because within a week, you can do a lot. And that's what I'm about is encouraging people to kind of language hack their way and to be able to speak something. And once you have something, you can go from there on to fluency. But the first steps are the most important. Yeah, what's really amazing about the Conversation Countdown, Benny, is you, your messages speak from day one. And a lot of people hear that and say, I'm not going to do that, right? Like I, they hear it and they're like, no, that's impossible, whatever. There's all these excuses. But you say, hey, okay, seven days, boom, 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 I'm going to hit you up. And it's, it really is. It's a crash course and you're forcing people to then go and do it. But you're not, you're not just throwing them overboard with no life vest. You're saying, here's your life vest. Go and do it. I'm telling you to speak from day one. And if you're too scared to do it, all right, seven days. Now you're going to have the confidence to do it. It's, it's a, a brand new product that you just put out, what, a month or two ago, right? Um, the Why Easy Guides, I put those, those are brand new. Those are a month or two ago. Conversation Countdown, I put that out just less than a year ago. Yeah. And uh, I've continued to improve it. It's gotten great feedback from everybody. And uh, like I say, I, I help people with everything. The first day, they, what they have to do is not complicated. They just have to say a couple of words. So it's not, it's not like I'm saying you have to learn 500 words in day one. It's all very easy, easing people in so that they have no excuse whatsoever. And at the end of the week, if they follow my advice, they will be able to speak the language with a native even if it's just for a couple of minutes in a basic conversation. Well, I'm not shy to admit, Benny, that I really am inspired by your work and you. Uh, you've shared a lot and helped so many people and just can't say thanks enough for being a part of the Paradise Pack this year. Super grateful for your work and especially personally because I, I am going through this process of learning a new language. So uh, just thank you so much and, and we really appreciate your time as well. Yeah. All right. We didn't even get to talk travel with you, Benny, which we could have talked uh, ad nauseum for that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, been following you since 2006 or 2007 when you had your at yahoo.com because I found <laughs> that in my Gmail folder. Um, <laughs> but we, we should mention too, Benny, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate the, the stuff you put in the Paradise Pack. is awesome. You're looking really good over there. You just finished a half marathon. Oh, yeah. I think you're glowing because uh, <laughs> a little special event, Benny got engaged. So guys, uh, big congratulations on your crazy last couple weeks yeah yeah thank you i i, I definitely keep things interesting <laughs> <laughs> well thank you benny we really appreciate it and if you guys do have questions about language learning uh the stuff benny put in the paradise pack is absolutely awesome you can reach him at fluent in three months.com website had a a total redesign looks super sharp um so check that out as well amazing resources there 
All right. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Best of luck at all the other interviews. Thank you, Thanks, Benny. Enjoy the day. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. If you like this show, guys, and you want more Paradise Pack sessions, don't forget there's 10 more of those where this came from. So you can get them on iTunes. You can get them on Stitcher. However you're listening to this, you can find the other Paradise Pack session episodes. Listen to me and Jason get to interview and ask questions of some of the world's foremost experts. All of these people are contributors to this year's Paradise Pack. So if you haven't yet and you want to pick up your very own Paradise Pack, head to www.theparadisepack.com. And again, if you're listening on a phone and you're doing something where you can't go online right now, make sure to set an alarm because June 7th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time, the sale will end and you'll never be able to get it again. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Thank you for all the support for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And as always, happy free travels. (laughs) 